Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. That's what God wants, but we do we know that that's never God's heart? So I might really, really, I may be really upset with certain behaviors and certain types of sins against certain types of people. But I got to look at the people that are doing it and say, but God, God would forgive me. And I think it's important for every Christian to recognize that just like he was willing to forgive you of whatever your junk was. I've never looked at a human being yet that God wouldn't is not willing to forgive should they turn to him, should they receive the gospel. Do you see some people as not worthy to be forgiven? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he challenges you to ask yourself this question. The Bible teaches you that God desires for no one to perish, not one. Jesus came so that all may have the gift of eternal life. Pastor Bill explains that if Jesus was willing to forgive you of your sin, you should be willing to forgive others. All have fallen short of the glory of the Lord. There is not one good. Stay in humility and be a light for others to come to Christ. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And so Paul opens up this section saying, hey, I'm de- I declare the gospel. This is a, this, I'm declaring to you guys the good news. And I just want to note that we've looked at a lot of issues in the Corinthian church. There's been sexual sin. There's been division. There's been a misuse of spiritual gifts. Um, there's been rude behavior at the communion table. They, they've had a lot of issues with carnality, but I just want to point out that with all of that drama and all of that junk and all of that stuff, Paul says, but you guys have received the gospel. I preached it to you. You received it and you stand in it. And I think sometimes I even at times struggle. I'll, I'll look at, you know, what I feel like are carnal believers or carnal Christians. Anybody ever looked at somebody and wonder, like, are they really saved? Like, can you really be saved and act like that still? You know, I think if we were able to, like, visit the Corinthian church, we'd be like, are they saved? Like, can you really be saved and act like that at communion? Are you serious? You know, but Paul is staying here after all the other corrections and challenges and everything else he's given. He's saying, hey, you guys, you guys heard the gospel. I preached it to you and you received it and you stand in it. And even, we're going to go in a minute into what the gospel is. But I just want to point it out in advance to you guys. There's a responsibility on the people that share the gospel to share it in truth. And there's a responsibility on those that hear the gospel to respond. Um, we're to re- All we can do to the gospel is receive it or what? Reject it. That's it. And I'm going to ask everybody here up front that you would examine your heart today. Have you received the gospel or have you rejected it? Because there's no middle ground, right? There's no, the gospel's like a wedding proposal. And when you propose any man here that's bought the ring and bowed the knee and said the spiel, you want to hear one word when you're done. What do you want to hear? Yes, nibble, smile, cry, cry. That's all you want to hear. You don't want to hear, well, let me think about it. I will pray about it. No, no, that's not not a time to pray. No, no. You don't want to hear anything but yes. And 
I believe it's the same way. I believe it's Jesus hung on that cross for us, died in our place and made him made made heaven available, made forgiveness available through himself. But he extends it to us in that same way. And we can receive it or reject it. He wants everybody to receive it. You guys know that God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't want the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance in second Peter three, nine. So it's never the will of God that anybody would perish, die and go to hell. But God would prefer everybody to repent. And so we got to be careful as Christians because there may be people that you feel upset with or groups that you feel like, you know, I've heard people, supposed Christian groups, you know, say of people they deserve hell. You know, they they that they, they should, they're going to get what they deserve. And as if that's what God wants. But we do we know that that's never God's heart. So. I might really, really, I may be really upset with certain behaviors and certain types of sins against certain types of people. But I got to look at the people that are doing it and say, but God, God would forgive them. And I think it's important for every Christian to recognize that just like he was willing to forgive you of whatever your junk was. I've never looked at a human being yet that God wouldn't is not willing to forgive. Should they turn to him? Should they receive the gospel? I also need to be reminded in, in, in terms of sharing the gospel that. Is there anybody who is, you know, we look at some people and think, man, they're, they'll never receive this. Um, and we decide that, no, they just, they're just, they're, they're, that kind of person never received the gospel. You can't ever say that. Because when you read your Bible, look at the kind of people that did respond. They're the kind of people that you would have looked at before and said, they'll never respond. Matter of fact, the person writing these words, Paul the Apostle, if you had judged him by his behavior before Christ, you would have said, that dude's never coming to Christ. That, I mean, he was a, he was a, he was a, in their day, he was a terrorist to Christians, and, and he becomes one of the most important persons in the rest of the New Testament at, after he gave his life to the Lord. And so there's hope for everyone. Maybe there's people in your family that you're praying for that you wish that you just want so bad to see God do something, you know, that's really like genuine repentance and turn around and supernatural. God's like, there's no one's out of my reach. My love extends to everyone. The gospel is available to everyone. There's no one that far out of my reach. And so we want to be faithful to proclaim the gospel, tell people the good news. Amen. So Paul says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive and in which you stand. And then in verse two, he says, by which also you are saved. It is the message of the gospel that is the message that saves and it's through that message tells them that you guys are saved. But he said that if I circled the word if in my Bible, because it's critical and it's important. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, let's say somebody when they were 12 years old, professed belief in Christ. And let's say this person grows up to be 20 and professes rejection of Christ and moves in rebellion. Are they saved or not? Hmm? We'll, we'll solve this today, okay? It, 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 it's, it's important. This is why it's important, right? If I think they're still saved, I won't, I won't be preaching the gospel to them. I'll be like, oh, yes, I saved when you were 12. You're good. you just backslidden. You've been backslidden for 20 years now, but it's, you've been, I mean, will you ever slide forward again? I don't know, but, you know, and if that were the case, right, if you could just backslide that, that forever, I guess they just backslidden. I won't be preaching the gospel. I'll, 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 I need to understand this, too, so that I realize that no, they, they need the gospel, right? They're they're in a they're in a they're in a good place or a bad place. Now, here's the deal: it's never really my place to judge. I can affirm, I'm not judging you. If you tell me, bro, I reject Jesus, He's not the Lord of my life, I don't want it. I'm not judging you. I'm saying based on that profession, 
If you reject them, he allows it. He says here, if you hold fast, you got to hold fast. Um, it's, if a genuine faith in Christ, you guys, it's, it's something that you don't turn back from. And so it doesn't matter if I had, I may have come to a place of, of, I believe, and I know men right now, I know guys that were pastors that have since changed their view, have laid down the gospel message, have, they now preach a different message altogether. And that person is not, they're, they're not, you, I can't, I can't say because what they used to say that they're going to heaven based on what you're holding on to now. The Bible would say you need the gospel to preach to you. I need to understand that not so that I can judge people, but I know what I'm supposed to do, right? If I know that, hey, this person needs encouragement and prayer, they're a believer that's struggling, that's one thing. This person is not born again. They need to hear the gospel. They're in danger of hellfire. That's a whole nother situation. And so we're, we don't inspect people so that we could judge them, but I want to offer the right help, right? If I'm supposed to be preaching the gospel to you and I'm telling you, you all right, that deception can be dangerous too. If I'm misunderstanding your true condition. So Paul says here, look, you got to hold fast. Yesterday, I, did, I was at a men's conference and we covered Revelation chapter two and three. And I took notice that in several of the letters to the churches, the, some of the, the words that were used to the churches, those that had truth, God told them, hold fast. If you're writing notes, you can just write these down real quick. In uh, Revelation chapter two, verse 12, to the church of Pergamos, they were told in verse, I'm sorry, in, in Revelation 2 is 12 and 13. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos, right? These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And it says um, where Satan's throne is and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even to the present day in which Antipas, my faithful martyr, was killed. And so they're being commended for holding fast in the face of persecution where people are, people are being persecuted to death. But God is saying, look, Jesus speaking, saying, I'm commending you guys for holding fast. You didn't go back, but you held fast. Over in uh, chapter 2, verse 25, and this is to the church of Thyatira. Um, they had some commendations. They had some corrections given. And in verse 25, to those that are doing well, the Lord said, but hold fast what you have till I come. That's important, right? How long are we supposed to hold fast until we meet him? And you're either going to meet the Lord through death or you're going to meet the Lord when he comes. He told them, hold fast till I come, till I come. And so believers are to be living with the, the, the mindset, the idea of the imminent return that Christ can come back at any time. And we're to hold fast until then, until the end, until we're with him, until we meet him. To the church of Sardis in Revelation 3, and this is the last one, in chapter 3, verse 3 of Revelation, he said, remember therefore how you have received and heard, speaking of the gospel, and he said, hold fast. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. And he warned them that if you won't watch, for my imminent return. You don't believe that I'm coming. You won't hold fast that truth. I'll come in an hour where you don't expect it. And so back to here, when it comes to the gospel, you got to hold fast. Amen. We, we, we can't waver with it. I've got to hold fast to it. And if I'm if I know people in my life that I love and I care for and, and it's hard with family, I want to believe everybody's saved. But if somebody been walking in rebellion to God for 10 years, I got to be preaching the gospel to them. There's a whole there's another reason why. Over in Galatians, as Paul gives out the list of the works of the flesh, right? He explains, he gives a whole list of things, drunkenness, 
you know, arguments, revelries, fighting, you know, dissensions, heresies, all these different things that are outbursts of the flesh. He says, which if you do the, if you practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you're living in ongoing, unrepentant rebellion against God, God says, you, you're not, you need to be saved. If, if, the, if the Bible says you will not inherit the kingdom, I can't come behind that and say, yes, you will. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bad pastor if I do. I'm lying to you. So is that, do, do we understand that? So I wanted to be clear. If, anybody, if you have questions, you can raise your hand. But I, I think these things are so important um, because we're going to look at the gospel. But I, I just want us to understand what does it look like to be saved, to not be saved? What, is, you know, what does it look like to hold fast to the gospel, to not be holding fast to the gospel so that, so that we're where we need to be with the Lord? So we good? Everybody clear? Yep. All right. Moving on, he says, oh, yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, so if you're evangelizing or sharing your faith with someone and they don't believe in the Bible, which is common. Um, there are a lot. Most people have never studied the Bible, but they have a lot of opinions about where it came from. I've talked to tons of people sharing the gospel like, oh, you know, that book was rewritten so many times for real. Did you, have you ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Um, because they actually found an original copy of the book of Isaiah in a, in a cave and they found it. And when they compared the original copy from the first, the original copy on a scroll written out, when they put it all together and they compared it to what we got in our Bible, guess what? Same thing. Next. And sometimes we have to challenge that when people tell you stuff where I don't believe the Bible. And I'm, I, I don't suggest that we be smart out with them. I'm, I'm just being funny with you guys. But we want to give answers. The Bible says we should be able to give answers to every man for the hope that's in us. And so um, with, with grace and with patience. And so um, I want to be able to explain how come do I believe the Bible is the word of God for you guys and for all the guys that went through discipleship. We, we, we watched that video. We did it at the men's thing. How we know that the Bible that we have today is the word of God. And it gives it gives many evidences for it gives historical evidence, uh, you know, prophetic evidence that the Bible. You guys know the Bible is the only spiritual book that accurately foretells the future. Only one. Um, thousands of prophecies in scripture that are there one by one. So if I'm going to listen to a spiritual book, tell me what happens when I die. The Bible is the only book that qualifies. It's the only book that's been accurate and correct. And so um, so I would start there, Miss Paul, if I'm going to share the gospel. Um, if somebody doesn't believe the Bible, I would try to do my best to explain it. But let me say this. Romans 1.16 says, Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and after that the Greek. And sometimes you can have people that are offering up a million things that they, they really just don't want to hear it. Sometimes it's a better thing just to let me just I've asked permission to people like let me just share the message of the gospel with you because it is the power of God to salvation. Not my explanation about aliens or creation stuff that you might can't understand anyway. The Bible says that the carnal man understandeth not the things of the spirit, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. So I could get all deep and spiritual with someone that's spiritually dead and they're looking at me like, huh? I don't understand. It makes sense to me. You know, so we want to do our best to explain. But in sharing the gospel, the power is in the gospel. And we want to make sure we get back to sharing that. So um, let's move on, though. Look at verse the last part of verse two. He said, unless you believed in vain. So you can believe in vain if you don't hold fast. So we want to be careful to hold fast. Verse three, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. And he's getting ready to explain the gospel. I just want to point out the gospel that Paul is getting ready to lay out. He didn't make it up. He didn't come up with himself. He received it. He received it directly from the Lord. That Paul is the one apostle that instead of like the other apostles that were actually with Jesus walking around, 
Paul met the Lord on the Damascus Road. The resurrected Christ met Paul on the Damascus Road and relayed the message of the gospel to him. And so Paul said, look, I didn't hear this. It's not hearsay. I didn't make this up. I didn't read a book. I got this. This direct connect. The message of the gospel I got is directly from the Lord. And that's what it's, that's what it means when, when a person in, in the Bible had apostolic authority. It meant that they got it straight from God. It wasn't passed down. It was they were apostles. They had got it directly from Jesus himself. That's what gave them apostolic authority that we would listen to them as an authority because it came directly from Jesus through them. And so Paul was one of those people. And now we explain the components of the gospel. He says, number one, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. I'm going to read through them and then go back. I'm going to read all the way to verse uh, verse four. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And it goes on to talk about all that saw him and everything else. But the first part of the gospel is that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And this is why if I'm sharing the gospel as good news, I need people to understand before you really see it as good news that Christ died for your sins. You need to understand that you are in your sins. Um, so anybody, what, what is what is sin? What's, can anybody tell me what's a simple definition? What is what is sin? Missing the mark. Missing the mark. It's pretty to me what I found. I, I don't really run into a lot of people that are not willing to admit that they sin. Uh, every once in a while, you get that special, special person that's like, I, I, I've never sinned, you know, and it's like, oh, man, you know, and, and, and if you do, you can walk them through the, the good test, take them through the Ten Commandments. Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever, you know, stole something? Have you ever, you know, and, and if you get a person that lie about all that, they, they need more prayer than, you know, they, they just need help. But anyway, most people are not unwilling to acknowledge the fact that they've sinned. What, but what most people have done in our culture, in our world, they've created a version of God that they're very comfortable with. A version of God that doesn't require any change. I know that I'm a sin. We're all sinners. Everybody sins and falls short of the glory of God. And God loves everybody. We're all God's kids and so blessed. And that's, that's a version of the gospel that the world is very com- content with. You know, is, is it true? It's not true. But that's what you have people say, you know what, everybody sins and nobody's perfect and God loves everybody anyway and we're all going to make it somehow and and it doesn't require me to repent or change or anything like that. And I'm just, I I love y'all too much to let y'all, y'all know that's not the gospel. And so first he says, hey, Christ died for our sins. Why did he die for sins? Because sin, which is missing the mark, God's mark of perfection is falling short of that. Everybody here know that you fall short of the mark of perfection? All right. If you don't, let me know right now. I'm going to help you. Okay. So we all know, everybody here know you're not perfect. Any man think you are, ask your wife, right? We're not perfect. We're None of us are perfect. So that's okay. Only person that's perfect is Jesus. He was perfect. Spotless lamb. Never sinned. Never fleshed out. Never, never, never one time ever, ever, ever did anything sinful. Jesus. I'm sinful. Jesus is perfect. God said, look, you've fallen short of my standard of perfection, but I, but I want to forgive you for it. There's a penalty for sin. Uh, we looked at it earlier when we did Romans, but the wages of sin is what? Yeah. Death. Spirit, and death is not just physical death, it's spiritual death. Separation from God for all eternity and a place that God created to punish Satan and the demons in hell. A place of torment. That's, that's, that's the end of sin. The wages of sin. Sin's payday is death. Forever separation from God in a place of destruction called hell. That's the payday. Jesus says, look, I, I died for your sins. Here, here's the good news. You're a sinner. You've fallen short of my glory. And the wages of sin is death. That's what sin would pay out. But 
Here's the good news. God loves you so much in your sin. He loved you so much in your sin, in your worst condition, in the, the grimiest. Everybody here, I don't know your I don't know your lowest point, but you do. And most of us, most of us have things, most of you, most of us have parts of our testimony that we ain't never shared and we probably won't. Because you're just ashamed of it. And God says, in that, that stuff, loved you. Loved you. Died for you. Romans 5 8, God demonstrates his love for us. Now, while we were still sinners, Christ died. And so when God says, Look, I died for your sins, all your sins, all your all the things you did against God, all the things you did in rebellion and disobedience, God says, I I took those things upon myself and I went to the cross in your place and I died so that you don't have to. The penalty for sin for, for God the Son, right? If you guys remember, we, 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 did, we went over it when we did the seven, the seven uh, last sayings of Christ. There was a moment where Christ, for the first time in, in eternity, he was separated from the Father on our behalf because our sins were upon him. And God is holy and he can't look upon sin and there was separation. He endured separation from the Father for the first time in, in history on my behalf and on your behalf. Um, the beating and the scourging and the cross and the pain and the suffering, all of that, that was punishment for my sins. And he was taking it upon himself so that I wouldn't have to take it. And so it becomes good news when I realize that I'm supposed to be punished. I'm supposed to be separated. I'm supposed to go to hell. But, but God died in my place. He came to rescue me, loves me so much. Couldn't, couldn't bear to see me go through what sin, where sin was going to take me, and he did that for me. And so then the gospel begins to sound like good news. God is on a rescue mission, right? The gospel is not God beating people down. It's not whipping you. The, the gospel is saying, would you hear this message? Would you understand how much God loves you? Would you understand your current condition and what God has done that's completely delivered you and set you free from that? That's the gospel message. And so he says, look, I, Christ died for our sins, and he said, according to the scriptures, the reason he says that it, it, it was prophesied, and there's so many verses. I'm going to just read one. If you're writing notes, you can write down Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 through 6. And there's, there are many places, but I'll just read this one. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes... We are healed. We all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so God said it was it was according to the scripture. It was foretold. It was prophesied that he would do this for you and for me. And he did. Christ died for our sins. Then the second part, uh, number two, and that he was buried. And so. Some people don't, may not see that as an important part of the gospel that, you know, he was died, he was buried and he resurrected. But it was important that he was buried because he said he would be. It was foretold. It was prophesied that he would be buried. Um, also that he would, you know, he would, it, not just that he would be buried, but he'd be buried in a rich tomb. And so um, in Psalm 16, 9 and 10, Isaiah 53, verse 9, it foretells that. And so God is this is what God is saying when he says, as Paul lays out the gospel, he died according to the scriptures. And he was buried. And he rose from the grave according to the scriptures. This is what's important. We're learning that God has kept his word. Everything God said he would do, he has done. He said he would die, and he did. Check this out. God in the Psalms explained how he would die by crucifixion, but he did it years, hundreds of years before crucifixion was even created by the Romans as their death penalty system. 
And I don't know if you recognize that. You can overlook that as kind of a, a, a not a big deal. But but God has said, look, I, I, way back here before they had even created a system to kill people like that. I explained in great detail that I would die like that. And then when I did, it should have people that believe looking back saying, man, this is God. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 1 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on media. Or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest times and location information. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is CalvaryInglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 1 Corinthians, accountability and helping other believers strive for purity and commitment to God are topics that come to the surface. Although these things aren't always fun or easy, they're an incredible blessing to have in your life and in your church. So look to be involved and accountable wherever you're plugged in with other believers. If you notice that this ministry has been a blessing, even when it's convicted your heart in certain ways, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the messages go out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. We ask that you pray for ears to be opened, hearts to be softened, and for lives to be changed. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Bill again for another edition of A Transforming Word.